Well, good morning, everyone, and thank you um, to Gwyneth for reading and to Pete as well. Um, I think you have probably gathered by now that um, today is Trinity Sunday. Um, it's the Sunday of the year when we remember that God is the Trinity, that the Trinity is a way of describing who God is. And on one hand, the Trinity is quite simple, isn't it? Our God is three persons in one, one God, three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But on the other hand, the Trinity is actually quite confusing. And if we think about it for too long, it's gonna make our brains hurt. So I guess that's good reason for me to try and keep this sermon short. But what do Christians mean by the Trinity? It's not a word that we find in the Bible. So is it actually true? Is it real? Or is it just something that's been dreamt up by theologians to give themselves something to talk about? Well, the word Trinity is used to describe how God reveals himself. Trinity, tri-unity, a unity of three, three in one. So I said the Trinity is a word that's used to describe, if this clicker is going to work, maybe it's not going to. Can we get the next slide, please? Sorry, Hugh. Thanks. So the Trinity is a word to describe the fact that God exists as three persons. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Next slide, God the Father, who created the world and reigns from heaven. I'm not sure if you can see it on the picture. It says Abba and Yahweh across the top. The top one, God the Father. Then we've got, um, down at the bottom left, we've got God the Son, who came to earth, as we remember at Christmas, who died for us at Easter, as we remember the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world, who then is now ascended into heaven after he rose from the dead, as we remember um, at Ascension. And then there's also God the Holy Spirit, who there you can see the picture shows like a dove and flames coming down from him. The Holy Spirit who lives within Christians now, as we remember, uh, remembered last week at Pentecost. And so this week, Trinity Sunday, it's kind of when we're bringing the church calendar back together. When all the things that we've learned at Christmas and Easter and Pentecost, remember that actually three different persons, but one God. We remember God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Now, on the next slide, sometimes people remember or like to think of God like a triangle or a shamrock. This is one way that sometimes people use to try and help us to think about it. A triangle, it's one thing, but it's got three sides, three corners. Or, you know, um, St. Patrick, who is from my neck of the woods. Um, a shamrock, three different leaves, but one um, flower, one thing in three parts. But actually it's limited these ideas of explaining God, because the Father isn't partly God, the Son isn't just one third of God, and the Holy Spirit isn't just part of God. No, the Father is fully God. On the next slide, the Son is fully God, and the Holy Spirit is fully God. Each person of the Trinity is fully God, but yet there's still only one God. That's where it starts to get confusing, isn't it? So triangles and shamrocks are helpful, but they're not a perfect analogy, it's limited. So sometimes people think of God on the next slide as water 
or a person. So you know water there, you can see a little Bunsen burner heating up the water, that's the liquid. Then on the top you've got some ice there and you've got steam coming off. Water can exist as three different things, liquid, ice and steam. Or maybe you think of a person, uh, maybe like a father. He can be a father, he can be a husband, he can be an employee. Three different things, but one man. But the problem with this is, is that the, each person of the Holy Spirit is distinct. These sometimes you think of, well, the water can only exist as either ice or water or steam at one point, at one time. It can't be all three at the same time. And well, the man, it's almost like he puts different hats on. He puts his father hat on or his employee hat on or his dad hat on. But God isn't three different modes. He doesn't switch hats at different points. He's fully God, fully the Father, fully the Son, and fully the Holy Spirit at the same time. So on the next slide, each of the persons of the Trinity are distinct. The Father is not the Son. The Son is not the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is not the Father. You see, the Son, they don't switch between each other. So water, three different things, but one water. A person, as an employee, a father and a brother, helpful, but it doesn't fully explain who God is. So in the next slide, to sum up, there is one God in three persons. You can see there the Father in the middle is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God, but the Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is not the Father. Three persons, one God. Have you got it? Or on the next slide, does this explain how you're feeling? Does your brain hurt? It says more chocolate, less work. I guess we could probably all sum up with that, couldn't we? You see, the Trinity, as I said earlier, it's one of those things that's actually quite simple to say. One God, three persons. But when we try to think about it too hard, we fail to understand it. How can it be true? There's nothing in the world, nothing in life that is like the Trinity that helps us perfectly to see what it's like. I guess you could sum up like this. All of our analogies of the Trinity are imperfect. God is bigger than us. His nature is way beyond our understanding. In fact, our first reading from Isaiah reminded us of this. On the next slide, I've got the words from Isaiah chapter, chapter 6, verse 1. And it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, high and lofty, and the hem of his robe filled the temple. Isaiah saw a vision of God on his throne, high and lofty. And from Isaiah's vantage point in the temple at Jerusalem, the greatest building in Israel, the biggest building, what did he see filling it? The next slide, the hem of God's robe. You see, it wasn't God that Isaiah saw. It wasn't even his feet or his robe. It was just the hem of his robe just a little bit at the bottom. And we don't know if it was all of God's hem of his robe or just a bit of it. That's all that could fit in the temple. See, here's the point. God is bigger. God is greater. 
we'll never be able to fully understand everything about God. So you see, when we think about God, it's like we're only thinking about the hem of his robe. We're only scratching the surface. How on earth could we ever fully understand God? We are creatures. God is the creator. We're created by him. He's the one who created us. So we can't put God in a box and do experiments on him. Some humility is needed when we think of him. And I guess that might raise a question with us. Well, does that mean that we just shouldn't bother getting to know God? If he's way beyond us, if we're never going to understand him fully, should we just give up? Well, of course not. God wants us to get to know him. You see, I'll never get to know my wife Liz fully. There's always going to be some things that I don't know about her. I can't you know, climb inside her brain and hear every single thought. I don't know everything about her life before I met her. In fact, even now when she goes to work, I don't quite know everything she gets up to. I can't know everything about my wife, but I still want to get to know her better each passing day. And it's the same with God. I want to get to know him better. Yes, we're limited by our understanding and we're limited by what God has told us. But God has told us what he thinks is important for us to know. So like a couple going on a date before they get married, so we're getting to know God before we spend an eternity with him in heaven. He's perfect. He knows what we need to know. So what are some of those things that God has let us know about himself? Well, we're going to look again at this passage from John's Gospel. We actually saw it a few weeks ago. Um, it's a passage that we looked at a few weeks ago, but there's plenty in it that we didn't have time for in only 20 minutes. If you're here, you might remember that there's this gentleman, Nicodemus. He's a Jewish leader. He's intelligent. He's important. And he comes to Jesus at night time to ask Jesus about things. He's got some questions. And this is how he starts. He says, it says, Nicodemus came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you're doing if God were not with him. It sounds quite flattering, doesn't it? Jesus, you're doing amazing things. You must have come from God. God is obviously with you, Jesus. Well, unfortunately for Nicodemus, his attempt to flatter Jesus is actually downplaying who Jesus really is. He's actually underestimated Jesus. He's actually belittled Jesus. How come? Well, Nicodemus thinks that Jesus is a good man, a good man whom God has sent. A man who is from God. But Jesus is so much more, isn't he? Jesus is the Son of God. Jesus isn't just from God. Jesus is God. And Jesus isn't just with God. He is God. And how do we know this is true? Well, the most famous verse in the Bible, John chapter 3, verse 16, that we also had last week. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have everlasting life, eternal life. 
God has a son. His name is Jesus. Jesus is the son of God. And what do we know about sons and fathers? Next slide. Like father, like son. I'm a person, a human being, and both of my sons are human beings. If I got a dog, well, the dog's father would be a dog. If we got a cat, the cat's father would be a dog. Sorry, would be a cat. I'm completely <laughs> messing up there. Need to go back to primary school, don't I? Um, cat's father is a cat. You see, sons are the same thing, the same species, the same animal as their fathers. Like father, like son. Jesus is God because his father is God. In fact, that's why people picked up stones to stone Jesus when he said, my father is God. They knew what Jesus was saying. Jesus was claiming to be equal with God. He was claiming to be God. And that's why people thought it was heresy. Usually that is heresy. But of course, the exception is when you actually happen to be God. Jesus could say it because it's true. Jesus is God because he is the son of God. God the Father who loves the world, who gave his son to save the world. And Jesus was the son who was obedient. He came to save us. The Father loved and planned. The Son obeyed and saved. They work together, but they're distinct. So we've seen that God the Father and God the Son are both fully God. But what about God the Holy Spirit? Well, earlier in John chapter 3, in verses 6 and 8, it says this, Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to spirit. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Jesus here is talking about a third person, the Spirit. Sometimes people think, well, the Holy Spirit, a bit like a force. But the Holy Spirit isn't a force. The Holy Spirit is a person because forces can't give birth. And also we see that the Holy Spirit isn't answerable to anyone that says, the Holy Spirit's like the wind, the wind blows wherever it pleases. The Holy Spirit does whatever he pleases. He's not answerable to anyone. See, each of us, well, we're people under authority. Only God is the one who has no boss, who has no one that he has to give an account to, that he does what he pleases. The Holy Spirit blows where he pleases. The Holy Spirit is sounding a lot like God. And the Holy Spirit also gives life. Do you see that? Flesh to flesh, but spirit gives birth to the spirit. So it is with everyone born of the spirit. On the next slide, you see the spirit gives life. Everyone who is born of the spirit is born spiritually. In fact, Jesus is just about to talk about life a few verses later, as we've just read in John 6, 3, 16. 
Remember, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. The father and the son are in the business of giving life, giving eternal life, giving spiritual life. They work together on this and they work together with the Holy Spirit. This life that the Spirit gives is needed, in fact, to enter the kingdom of God. You might remember from a few weeks ago, verse 5, Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. Only the Spirit can give you spiritual life to enter the kingdom of God. The Spirit is important. The Spirit is powerful, as powerful as the Father and as the Son. See, the Holy Spirit is God because he is described as God and is involved in the work of God. Three persons working together in unity to give eternal spiritual life to the world. Now, I hope that you can see that this isn't dry academic theology. Of course, it's possible to make it dry and it's possible to make it academic. But this is wonderfully relational. The Father works together with the Son, who works together with the Holy Spirit, who works together with the Father. They work together so that we may be invited into a relationship with them. God the Father loves us. He can be our Father. We can call him Abba Father. The Son, he came as that sacrificial lamb to die for us. He can be our saviour. And God, the Holy Spirit, he gives life. He dwells within people. He can dwell within us. You see, today we've only started to scratch the surface of who God is. We've only seen the hem of his robe. But isn't it amazing that as we think more about who God is, we learn more about what he's done for us. That's how much he loves us. That our salvation, our relationship with God is tied up with his very nature. That's who God is, the saviour, because he loves us. So if you trust in Jesus and, so can go, and you can call him God and Father, and if you can have the Holy Spirit living in you, if that's true of you, well, I hope that this warms your heart and deepens your trust of God. God is at work. God has been at work for you. And if you're not yet sure, if you don't yet know Jesus as your savior, if you don't yet know God as your father or the Holy Spirit dwelling within you and giving you spiritual life, well, I really hope and pray that this morning has shown you something of what you're missing, of what God is at work doing. See, God is wonderful. He wants to give you life. So come to him. He's that loving father. He will welcome you. The spirit delights to give life. The son came just so that you could be given eternal life. So why don't you maybe chat to me after the service if that's something that you'd like to know more about. But in the meantime, let's pray and thank God for who he is. Almighty God, we thank you so much that you are Father, 
that you are Son, that you are Holy Spirit, that, Father, you are fully God, that, Lord Jesus Christ, you are fully God. And Holy Spirit, Lord, we thank you that you are fully God as well. We thank you so much that you work together, that even though you're distinct, you work together in unity, and you work together for our salvation so that we can be invited into your family, so that we can have life, so that we can have salvation. We thank you so much that you do these things for us. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to see more of you, more of the hem of your robe, even to be able to glimpse more of that. We thank you that even though you are way beyond us, way above us, transcendent, that yet there are certain things that you have let us know. And so we pray that you would deepen our faith, deepen our trust of you and deepen our love of you. And we pray that in the mighty name of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through the power of your Holy Spirit, that you, Father, may be glorified in all things. Amen.